Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. Todd Buckingham here, joined by Zach Dosh and Greg Steven. Welcome, gentlemen. Good evening, everybody, um, except to the Cowboys kicker at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Has he done more than missed two extra points? I, I yeah, haven't I agree. seen. He's missed okay. a couple. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, he's up to three. Huh. Well, 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 the good news about missing three extra points is you have to get an opportunity for three extra points. Yeah, I suppose Tampa Bay would love an opportunity to miss three extra points at this point. But yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we we have an interview at the in the middle of the podcast with Damani Hayes from South Dakota, and uh, so we'll go to that. You know, about 15, 20 minutes in, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that interview after, um, and then we'll just kind of hit around the league. Um, in in the meantime, and I wanted to start talking Western Illinois and Omaha because we haven't touched on them much the last couple of weeks. Um, Western with a pretty impressive victory over Kansas City in Kansas City. They're three and four in conference now. My biggest takeaway from that game, and then just when you see Western Illinois being good, Western Illinois is when Trenton Massner lets the game kind of come to him and just doesn't try to force it. They're really good, and then they had a really good intensity on the defensive end and on the glass against Kansas City. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with Western Illinois. They're a team that can kind of surprise you, but they're also, you just never know what you're going to get week in and week out, especially when they're so Trent Master focused. And I think the thing that makes it that much more impressive is it was coming off of a game that, you know, Oral Roberts really took it to them. I yeah. mean, they re- they really took it to them. Uh, Oral Roberts was up 20 and a half. Masner was like 4 of 15 for 11 points. Meanwhile, Max Asimus was like 12 of 16 and 7 for 10 from 3 and scored 37 points and all this stuff. And just kind of, they really ran into a buzzsaw the night before. Sort of regrouped and were able to get it done against a very good defensive team. And so uh, a really good split. I think I think they're very happy with that split would be my guess uh, on the weekend. And, and uh, you're right. I mean, whether Basner forces it or lets the game come to him, I mean, clearly he's the creator on the team. So if he's not creating for his teammates, nobody is. And so um, I, I think they're understanding that. Um, the problem is, is most defenses are too. And so, you know, how does that sort of, that give and take sort of play out down the stretch? I mean, we'll see, but, you know, I mean, he's the type of player that can go out and, and get you a game. And that's what he did yeah. against Kansas City and they're good backcourt too. So, yeah. Yeah, they are. And, and, and <clears throat> the other thing you look at, anytime you get a split on the road, it's, it's, it's great. Um, it, it's, you, you don't ex- you, you want to expect to win at Oral Roberts. You know it's it's gonna it's gonna be a, a a little bit of a bridge too far. But to bounce back and get a game on the road at Kansas City when you shoot forty percent, um, you know Todd, I think you mentioned on Twitter, you know their effort and their toughness. That's what got them that win. Yeah. I think Masner and Rosner both played forty minutes, and so. You know, you, you're leaving your horses out there, but you're saying, hey, whatever it takes to find a way to get a win, that's what we got to do. And uh, to the point that you both made, Masner's really, really good. I, I think we all agree he's a, he's a top, probably a top five player in the league when you look at talent and skill set. And uh, sometimes you've got to find a way to to be the facilitator to to get everybody else involved and then let the let the opportunities find you at critical times. So uh, Masner's smart enough to be able to do that. He's just got to be able to not not force it too much at times 
and and you know kind of in a way force everybody else to step their game up too so that's a quality win for them to get to get uh to get in kansas city and and uh gets them close to 500 in the league well and greg you mentioned alec rosner he he might might not be as well known as some of the other shooters in the league but if he gets a clean look at three he's as dangerous as anybody that's in the league he really is. I mean, and that's, you know, what's, that's what they got with him. And you know, when they, he's, a, he's a division two transfer out of Winona state. And when you look at the minutes he's playing, it, it shows the the difference in levels at times isn't as much as we might think it is, but he's uh, he's also smart enough to, to not shoot them out of the game. He didn't have a great shooting night as we talked about to, to echo what I said earlier, they shot 40% and, and to get a win when you shoot 40% on the road, it means you did a lot of other things very well as a team especially on the defensive end and and that's what that's what allowed them to find a way to get a win but no Rosner's very very capable he's I, I kind of in, in my mind I think at times I'm going he's a St. Thomas caliber shooter you know he's yeah he's a kid that you don't, you can't afford to leave him open because he'll make you pay well and one other player that our listeners should just pay attention to when you you get I realize that a lot of listeners don't catch every summit league game or don't catch a lot of teams that aren't their team when you get a chance to watch Western Illinois, Josiah West might be the best athlete in the Summit League. He's second or third in rebounding at six foot five. Um, it's interesting. Him and Damani Hayes, two of the smaller forwards height-wise in the in the league, are are right up there in the top five in rebounding. But he can just do some impressive things just as a pure athlete. Another another player worth watching if you catch Western Illinois. Yeah, definitely like Western Illinois' lineup. The players complement each other. They don't have too many weaknesses. You know, it, it's a it's a good group, you know, not deep, but those starters, they can keep up with anybody. Yeah. And and things we've talked about on this podcast before, I will, you know, you go back to last year's Western Illinois group. This is the point in the season where all of a sudden things started to seem to, to go the wrong way. Yeah. Can this be can this be the season where things start to go the right way? And, yeah. and can, can they kind of mesh and become that dangerous team that you don't want to play late in the season and especially at tournament time? Um, you talk about uh, Josiah West's athleticism. I think sometimes you, not not only on the glass, he has nine rebounds at Kansas City, but but his ability to be a great help side defender. I've equated, I've looked at uh, Archambault from from uh, USD, who I think is one of the best off the ball defenders. You know, help side defenders is is west kind of in that category as well where you don't where you you know you don't you don't see it until somebody gets beat and he's helping on the backside he's one of those types of athletes and he gets it and he plays with great effort and toughness yeah 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 one of the the least amount of depth for maybe a team in the summit league but definitely a team that can surprise people and and they're one of those that i'll be interested to watch if they can kind of get things staying on on this path how they could do in the tournament and whenever you got a guy like Trenton Massner in the backcourt he can just do some special things and sometimes those teams do you know remember Marlon Stewart Zach a few years ago when North Dakota made the championship game that you get a player that can just do special things and and special things can happen yeah we talk about every single week greatest form of currency is senior guards that can make some plays and play a lot of basketball and have a high IQ so Nothing's more important than them. Teams that have it are going to be fine. Teams that don't, you know, probably be left spinning their wheels for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And we can count on one hand the guys who can go on go off for 40 on any given night, and Masner is, is definitely one of those. Right. Yep. 
So another three and four team that we haven't gotten a, a ton of time to talk about, so I want to make sure we hit on them today, um, is Omaha. Three and four in the league. One of the things that really stands out for me, we had talked Frankie Fiddler quite a bit at, at the beginning of the year and all, plenty of last year with a special freshman season. He's really starting to look like that player. He was a little bit lost in the shuffle, I would say, for first 10 or so games of the year, but now he's really starting to look like the player we saw last season and come up with big plays. Um, and then the other thing that I think is worth touching on from this team in general, it's the way they built, and we have spoken on this before, but it's an entire team of sophomores. We talk so much about the the youth of Kansas City. There's probably more youth when you consider the entire starting lineup because at least Kansas City has those senior guards. It's pretty much all sophomores in the Omaha starting lineup. You well, know, and, and, and it, go go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, I mean, and, and that's when when you have sophomores, when you're relying on, on underclassmen, inconsistency is always going to be a factor, you know, in that situation. And, and who steps up on any given night? Fiddler has certainly shown as a freshman last year that he's capable of, of, of playing when the lights are bright. Um, but you still want to see a, a level of consistency from him. And, and it's unfair sometimes. Sometimes we place expectations on kids who have great freshman seasons to come out and say, well, you better play like an upperclassman, you know, the next year. Well, they're still going to have, they're still going to have, you know, an inconsistent performance from night in, night out on occasion. You just hope it's less often than it was when they were freshmen. And, and uh, in, in this day and age of college basketball, you were forced to grow up quickly because yeah. coaches are going to play you. They're going to maximize their minutes because they don't know if they're going to have you the next year. And I hate talking that way, but that's just the reality of college basketball at this point in time. And so uh, Crutch is certainly going to lean on guys like Fiddler and Jungers, even though he didn't really uh, step up you know, in the game against NDSU. But he's also a kid that's shown he can step up and perform as an underclassman as well. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely seeing some inconsistency out of Omaha, but, um, you know, the good point with that is there, there's times where they play pretty well. You know, yeah. they don't they, they don't really don't shoot it a lot, you know, so they're not necessarily all that well-rounded on offense, but, they you know, they, they compete and play hard and battle on the glass and things like that. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll kind of have some odd games where, like, against UND, they were minus 11 on turnovers. So they really turned over quite a bit. But then they were like plus 11, plus 14 on rebounds. So, you know, I guess part of that is when UND shoots 30, 30%, yeah, they're going to get a lot of rebounds. But, you know, it, it, um, they, they find ways and they're, they're trying some different things. And, you know, they're still able to pick up some wins along the way. One thing that they've been sort of looks like they've been going to a little bit more, two things really. Um, they've been playing a little bit more zone defense, which is something you don't see a ton of in this league. But, they don't necessarily rely on it. It's more of a change of pace thing. And I actually kind of like that. Um, I don't think teams really work on their zone defense a whole lot. And so they can really surprise teams and steal some possessions with their zone defense. I, I think that is a something they'll, they'll continue to do. And the other thing is uh, um, kind of going down the stretch, um, moving Frankie Fiddler to the point guard. And I think that's really kind of interesting because usually the guy guarding him is not used to guarding the point guard. They're just kind of putting the, the defense in an unfamiliar situation. And two, he shoots free throws so well. And he can score at all three levels. And so obviously having the ball in his hands, I think is actually a very, very smart uh, coaching move by their coaching staff. And um, I think more teams should just kind of go that route, especially as you're coming down the stretch. Free throws are, are just so important. I mean, free throws have won Oral Roberts probably at least two games 
they may have lost otherwise. I mean, including the game at at uh, Omaha. So a lot of things that you like to see. And you guys are right. They're sophomores. So it's just like, man, they may have a little something here if they can keep this group together. Yeah. And you put and you put eight to ten more games underneath their belt heading into Sioux Falls. How much confidence do they gain? How much, you know, hey, let's uh, throw caution to the wind. There's no pressure on us. Let's go get after some people. To have ORU on the ropes the way they did in Omaha, it's kind of that, you know, what we're we're too inexperienced to to think we're not supposed to be here, you know. And uh, I, I think they, I, I, my guess is that coaching staff will will kind of enable them enable this group to say, listen, there's no pressure on you. Go out and compete. Go fly around. Go do some things. Go take advantage of some mismatches. Zach, you talked about it. Let's throw some unique defenses at people that they don't necessarily practice against throughout the course of the season. Uh, this could be a dangerous team come uh, come March in Sioux Falls. Well, and one other, one other thing that just kind of popped in my head, you know, typically with new with coaching changes, you kind of expect those teams to just be bottom of the conference learning, especially because there's so much roster turnover typically. And there was with both Kansas city and uh, Omaha. And we've talked a lot about coach Menzies, but what a job coach Crutchfield's doing in his first season built a little bit differently. They went with mostly Juco sophomores, but again, players that they can have around, you got coach Menzies same again, having success with Kansas city and it was built a little different in South Dakota, but success there as well. So the, the new coaches into the conference have, having early success. You know, that junior college angle is such an interesting angle. And more coach, our coaches have been looking that route, actually. Um, the transfer portal, you can come with a lot of baggage when you're recruiting players out of the transfer portal. And the thing about junior college is these, like many of these kids have played two years of a lot of basketball. I mean, probably not coming out of the game for two years on the junior college level. Then you get back to COVID year. And so you get sophomores who have played probably 50, 60 games in college basketball already. Right. And then you get them for three years. And so that's really kind of, and, and they're, they're usually kind of overlooked. They're not as well publicized. People kind of forget about them. Um, you, obviously you go to junior college for a number of different reasons, um, usually they're remedied if you graduate from the junior college. Um, and so it, uh, it, it's really proven to be much more fruitful for the summit league schools to go to, to the junior college routes than like transfers, like big time transfers. It's, it's kind of a scary deal where kids are transferring out of the conference, but not really transferring in. It's definitely had a net negative effect on the conference and, um, we'll see if that continues or not. And then obviously, you know, <clears throat> playing for Omaha is a big deal for Frankie Fiddler. And yeah. that shouldn't be lost in all this because I don't know if you call it luck or if you call it whatever. Um, but having a guy like Frankie Fiddler who playing for Omaha is important to him, being kind of a local kid is, is and, and having him being like a foundational part of the program is, is everything, right? I mean, yeah. we're, Grant, we're, we're at NDSU B if Grant Nelson didn't love NDSU and want to be at NDSU. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily anything not to take anything away from the coaching staff or give, you know, other coaching staffs credit for it. It's just, like he just grew up and got the devil's lake and loves NDSU. Right. And Frankie Fieler does that for Omaha and how much that can change your program, because there's certainly some programs out there that have had the opposite happen to them. And I don't know that 
anybody's done anything right or wrong. It's just sort of the way it plays out. Like I said, you call it luck, call it serendipity, whatever. But clearly, there's a little bit of that in Omaha, and, and credit to them. You know, credit to them. Yeah. And and to that point, um, it's you always love the kids who transfer up because they appreciate the opportunity. You always love the kids, as you talked about, Zach, the Fiddlers, the Grant Nelsons, you know, the, the, the home state, home community kids that just love the opportunity. Um, when you when you look at some of the people in the transfer portal who maybe come from a what would be perceived to be a higher level a higher level program, there are times when they come in and think, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna clearly come in here and make an impact. They don't realize how tough it is to earn the opportunity to make that impact. Where when you look at the JUCO kids, that listen, I I mean I coached JUCO. It's you you go from McDonald's and uh, and, uh, and and Hardee's to a training table to things where you're you're going this is this is awesome and and i have to prove that i i deserve this opportunity and and it's there's a difference there's a difference when people are really truly grateful for their opportunity and there's all compared to when people think well i'm going to settle for a different opportunity because i was at a higher level before this i know i'll come in and make an impact and they don't realize how hard the kids play at this level the summit league i'm not saying this is the highest level of some of these summit league basketball we've had in, in fact it's probably one of the more um interesting races that we will have you know at, in a long time in the summit league uh you know maybe sans oral roberts because they are clearly the favorite right now but at the same time it's it's what you it's what you come from and how much you appreciate where you're at and I, when you talk about the fiddlers and the grant nelsons I think they really appreciate where they're at. I think there are certain transfers, especially JUCOs, who really appreciate getting to the Division One level, the mid-major level in the Summit League, and they they work their tails off to say, you know what, I want to prove I deserve to be here. And uh, there's just sometimes a, a different perspective depending on the level that you came from. Yeah, yeah, good point, Greg. So we're we're closing in on 20 minutes in, and I think what we'll do now is we'll go to the Damani Hayes interview. Um, and then after that interview, we'll chat just a little bit about the interview itself and then move on to some other teams in the Summit League. Hi, everybody. Uh, joining us today is Damani Hayes from the University of South Dakota. Damani, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. So, so Damani, I'll start out with, is it forward Damani Hayes, guard Damani Hayes, all everything Bonnie Hayes because I think you're fourth in the league in rebounding and it's hard to call you a guard one but the website says guard <laughs> yeah it's tough um I, I would consider myself a forward uh I played a forward position the four if you will power forward but um I played guard too so when I was at d2 I played the three played out on the wing um but yeah man like you said the rebounding thing has been big for me um it's something that I really you know put a lot of focus and effort towards. And so trying to, trying to, you know, make some advantages to being six, four and a, a four man. Nice. <laughs> How much, you know, kind of along those same lines, you know, in, in addition to being a, a good offensive rebounder, you guys are particularly good at setting screens. Is that something that you guys really emphasize every single day? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big focus. Um, we focus a lot on angles um, and matchups too. Um, so even last year, it was a big focus, too, um, with different players on our team, you know, with their different strengths. Maybe one's a shooter. You're setting different angles of screens uh, to be able to help a guy get downhill or, you know, be able to step behind the screen and shoot. Uh, but, yeah, we focus on it a lot. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. 
it feels like nobody does that anymore. Like it, it, and so it stands out so much when you just nail a guy on a screen every time down, how much pressure that puts on any defense. And so I just really appreciate it. I think it's incredibly effective. I'm surprised more people don't do it. Everybody does that thing where they kind of like sort of do a brush screen or whatever, but like there's something to be said about just nailing somebody on a screen. I agree. I agree. I think, um, as a defender too, like having guarded through screens like that, it gets, it wears you down. It's a physical thing. Um, and so we, we mix in a few of those brush screens, like you said, those kind of warrior slips and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, I think physical screens truthfully have been, uh, you know, one of our biggest strengths offensively. It, it's just been, it's been good for us. Yeah. So, so Damani, I'm curious what got you to South Dakota, just kind of going through all of that. Uh, you started at the South Dakota school of mines, and you had we talked before we went on air that you had looked at Gustavus in, in southern Minnesota and just what was the what was it like picking a school to start with and then what got you to transfer and why South Dakota from there? For sure. Um, so in high school, I was uh, not highly recruited. Um, I, I thought I played well. We had a good team um, and I wasn't shooting it uh, as well as um, some guys thought I should be. Uh, and so I ended up with with not many options, um, especially for like scholarship basketball. Yeah. Um, and so started off, like I said, um, St. John's, Gustavus, Bethany and Mankato. Um, these were the guys I had a lot of talks with. Um, great people, by the way, have a lot of respect um, for those programs. And then senior year uh, it was probably about halfway through the year. Um, got a call from Coach Henry uh, at School of Mines and. Uh, I had I, I got a 30 on my ACT. Um, and so they were like, man, this guy could, you know, maybe handle this engineering thing. Uh, and so finished out the year and uh, felt like School of Mines was just the best option for me. Uh, and so went out there. I played two years. I played with Mitchell Suker uh, from UND as well. That's that's one of my guys. That's one of my best friends. Great dude. Um, but yeah, played there for two years. And then Mitch knew he was going to go to UND. And we had some guys graduating and whatnot. And so I was like, I think I'm just going to test the portal. <clears throat> and again, um, just was not highly sought after, not highly recruited. Um, had some talks with a few D2s, but just wasn't anything that I was really, you know, that got me really excited. I was actually quite disappointed. Um, but I reached out um, to a trainer of mine who connected me with an assistant coach at USD. He was like, man, we got to walk on spot. Will you take it? And I said, heck yeah. I mean, I'm there. You know, no questions asked. It was the first call. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Um, and for me, that was a big moment of just kind of betting on myself. And like, you know, my as I'm leaving, you know, I had people saying, well, you know, you can't shoot and da 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 and this and that. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to have much success at that level. And so I bet on myself and just kind of, you know, tried to make the best of it uh, and, Walked on here, uh, was blessed to get a scholarship last year and then another one this year. So it's been it's been a good ride. Awesome. So did you did like did you graduate with your undergrad from Mines and then transfer or so were you considered a grad transfer or how did that work or what? Yeah, so good question. This is actually um, something probably a lot of people don't know, um, but I was not a grad transfer uh, and I was an in industrial engineering major at School of Mines. And so I came here and we have biomedical. So actually my credits um, probably for the most part didn't transfer over that well. So um, I'm kind of on a little slowed down path because of that. But um, 
it's been a blessing overall. Biomedical engineering has been way more interesting, and I just feel like it's, you know it's been a good trade. Yeah, because Mitchell is biomedical too, right? Yeah, his um, master's, I believe, is biomedical. I think yeah, he got his undergrad in electrical. I was talking to him about all the different projects that he's they have him working on. It's really kind of interesting stuff, totally different than the average student. So what do you see yourself using that biomedical engineering degree for after, after college? Yeah, um, I'm hoping to do medical devices. Uh, I want to do a master's in uh, computer science or computer programming uh, and try and kind of break into that field a little bit. Um, I enjoy coding. And so I feel like if I enjoy it and, you know, it's possibly lucrative, then um, I should pursue it a little bit. And I think programming and coding medical devices. Um, and I've always had a thing for prosthetics too. I think that's a great field and just uh, a rewarding as far as seeing people, uh, you know, get utility back out of limbs and whatnot. And so I think, I think those, those two paths are kind of what I'm looking at. The money you're making, Zach and I look bad. I'm not sure we combine for a 30 in our ACT and uh, we're, we're certainly not in any field of um, making prosthetic limbs or anything like that, but uh, really cool. I want to go back to kind of the betting on yourself. So you, so you bet on yourself. You have a lot of people telling you it just isn't going to work out. I mean, go to that level, but you're just going to kind of, um, watch from the sidelines. I guess I'm putting words in their mouth, but uh, yeah. first couple of years you, you play, but, but uh, minutes are limited a little bit, especially your first year. I think your second year, you're like 18 minutes a game or something like that. So it went up quite a bit last year, yeah. but this year you started every game fourth in the summit in the, in rebounding first in the summit in uh, offensive rebounds. How does that feel for it to kind of actually pay off when you bet on yourself? It's been amazing. It's been amazing. I, uh, I like telling some of the young guys when they come in um, who struggle with the motivation each day, right? Um, and maybe the discipline to just kind of show up to practice, be ready to go. Uh, my first year when I transferred, since I wasn't a grad transfer, I had a, I had to sit out a year. But then in COVID, there was a blanket waiver. Um, and I told them, I was like, guys, every day that year I came in and I said, I'm going to be the best practice player I can be. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to try and push. I had Stanley Amude. I was guarding him every day. And so it was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to try and push Stanley as much as I can. As difficult as that was, it was like, that was one of those things um, that I feel like kind of helped me get to where I'm at is I was given a role last year. I was given a new role and this year, even a better one. And so I just try and be a star in that role and really just um, focus on what the coaches are asking me to do. Um, and so I think that trust and that rapport that I've built with them um, has been a big piece to um, kind of the increase in role. But um, I think a lot of guys struggle with um, just focusing on what they're asked to do first and then hoping to expand the role. Um, most guys want to change roles, but I believe you have to be a star in your own role and then hope for the best from there. I really have a lot of respect for the players that come in they're self-aware and they just focus on the process. Like those are the players that ultimately make it. And it's, it's really incredible how much development can go on in college and how little mm -hmm. what happens in high school actually matters. I mean, mm -hmm. this, what goes on in college is totally different. And the people that come in thinking they've, they're already who they should be, or they know more than the coaches or whatever, you see a lot of those players kind of just not work out. And so I, I've yeah. always found that to be really interesting, especially those fourth and fifth year players got a lot of respect because it, you know how much time 
it takes to get to that point, but it's possible if you buy in and you really just kind of take the right path and listen to the coaches. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it takes a degree of humility. Um, and I think just being able to say, okay, man, you know, maybe I'm the guy where I come from, right. You know, I set records and whatever guys think that they've done. Um, and you come in and you have to be humble. You say, well, here's a third or fourth year guy who, who shoots it better than me and is more physical. And so how then do I improve myself to get to that level? Um, but I think it takes humility, man. And that's, that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah. So speaking of where you come from, did you know BJ Omot in high yeah. school? You're quite a bit older than him, but I mean. Yeah. So that family, um, the Omots, I grew up with them. So his older sister was a year older than me. I went to grade school with her. His older brother, Dunwa, was um, two years younger than me, um, but played basketball with him. Uh, and then at East, uh, BJ was um, kind of coming up as I was as I was heading out. But he he played up and was on JV and whatnot. BJ is a, a family friend, man. He, he stays at my house. Um, he's best friends with my little brothers. Uh, and so he, he's a family friend. That family is amazing, man. That's a, that's a good people's. That's the fun stuff to hear about all the different connections behind the scenes, you know, whether it's AAU or whatever. I mean, like how like I think people underestimate how connected all you guys are, even, off yeah. the court. you know, fans like whatever. They hate each other or whatnot. But like there's a lot of familiarity amongst the players. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Raquandis Mitchell from UMKC. I played AAU with him. So that's one of my guys. We got to talk after the game um, and a little bit of talk during the game, too, of course. But uh but uh, yeah, man, I think the connections is cool. And the, the thing is, too, is this, it, I have connections with guys that I that I didn't even know before college, like come in and you play against a guy and uh, you got respect for how they play or how they how they carry themselves. So it's like after the game, hey, man, good game. And then you start to build a connection that way. Um, I've always been a guy who is like on the court. I'm a fierce competitor, but um you know, I'm I'm trying to be a good dude off the court. You know what I mean? And so it's cool to have those those friends off the court. So speaking of off the court, what what are some of the things you like to do when you're not playing basketball? For sure. Um, a new addiction, I would say, is uh, is golf. Uh, I had a I had a good friend put me under the game of golf and I'm terrible. <laughs> like I'm so bad. <laughs> but uh, it's fun, man. It's fun. It's I think. There, there's something to be said about just being bad at something and being all right with it, you know? Um, and so golf has been big for me. Um, I stay connected with my little brothers and, and friends through, um, through video games a lot. So I play, I play video games and um, I really only play when other people are on just to talk and kind of catch up with people. And so um, that's one of the things, but I mean, I just spend a lot of time with my friends um, and that's about it, you know? So I'll you haven't made yourself on NBA 2K yet or anything like that? <laughs> 2K, I haven't played that game in a little while, man. Okay. I uh, I get frustrated, but those my careers were fun. Growing up, yeah. man, I, I had all all the my careers for sure. I was going to school in Vermillion, a little bit of a smaller town, but some people like that. Yeah, um, School of Mines taught me that, like, because it's a very small school. It's in a pretty big city, but um, it just taught me that I kind of um, – enjoy the the low-key focus on school and ball and I kind of like that aspect of it um the one thing I do wish is we have more food places 
that's the one thing that kind of gets, you know, you get in a rotation. It's like, it's only four or five restaurants. And so, um, the food, the food is tough. I love going back home and having home cooked meals, but then having more options too. Um, but Vermilion has been a blessing, man. The, the community is awesome. You know, people recognize you when you're walking around and, um, yeah, Vermilion has been, been very good for me. And what's that like? It's kind of the game in town. There's no pro sports teams. There's not. So there's a lot of passion behind the fan bases. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and there's, you know, there's pluses and minuses to that. I feel like the plus is that you're close as a community, as a family, um, but also word spreads fast. And so, yeah. you know, when things that aren't, you know, necessarily meant to be in the public eye, they end up in the public eye and, and people feel like they, you know, maybe have a, even a personal connection um, with people that are, you know, going through something or not playing well, whatever it is. Um, so I think that's the one thing that, that can get a little dicey sometimes is just that, that tight knit means word, word spreads fast. And it's a big emphasis in the town. Um, but man, the support is crazy, especially for the women's team in the last few years. Um, <clears throat> it's amazing. Like people come out and, and just go crazy. Um, for for the coyotes so it's been it's been good man the community community is awesome for sure so kind of along those same lines like how do you feel like the team sort of handled all that went on earlier this year because there was a lot of very unique things that there's no blueprint for nobody's really handled some of those things before how do you feel like your team responded to that yeah man it was it was tough um i'm not gonna lie to you guys it was it was tough for a little while um but I think uh, guys really bought into the fact that basketball can be an escape from that. And we can, you know, if we feel pressure from the community or pressure from, you know, athletics or whatever, you know, people felt like we were kind of under a microscope a little bit and basketball could be an escape for that. And so I think we bought in our coaching staff did amazing um, as far as just kind of, you know, one day at a time, man, if you need help, you know, they offered us a bunch of services and things. And so I think we handled it. We handled it pretty well, man. You just you can't expect anything like like what's happened to us. It's ridiculous. But uh, I think we handled it well. We got better guys that kind of carried us through. So it was it was as good as it could be. I think. And even with changes, coaching change, uh, when when the coaching change happened, it did you have a conversation with Coach Peterson or were you kind of set? I want to stay at South Dakota. I'm going through my degree, trying to get the things done school-wise. Or how did how do you go through that decision-making process when there's a change like that? Yeah, in the in the summer, it was uh it wasn't really much of a choice. I knew uh I wanted to finish out here. Um, you know, they were some guys were concerned about it, and I was just like, I'm just gonna, like I said try and do the same thing I've been doing you know I don't know this guy and um he turned out to be amazing he's a great head coach but uh but you know I, know, I don't know this guy but I'm just going I'm just going you know grind it out do what I've been doing and and uh hope for the best um it was it was crazy I uh, I think a lot of guys were just kind of felt like you know you're in the middle of a storm you had no control over it uh, and so I just tried to focus on you know the things the values that have got me where I got where I am and um, it turned out amazing. He's a, he's a great dude. 
Well, I I got one odd question, and then if Zach has anything else, we can we can go from there. But uh, yeah, so I'm there's good. always yeah. ex- exciting weather in South Dakota. There is here in Minnesota as well, but you guys have less trees, so it gets more exciting yeah. in the winter. Um, if you were stuck in a ditch, which teammate do you call and why? Oh, good question. Um, I think I'd probably call Mason. Archambault. He's a he's a responsible dude. Got his stuff about him. He's got a car. You know what I mean. So, um, but he's a good dude. He's always at my back. So I, I think I nice. call Mason. Okay. Have you met Mason's dad? Yeah, I have. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good yeah, dude. He, he, yeah. He was a he was a great player. I heard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but he's been good. He's been to a lot of games, and, you know, he supports us with everything he got, man. He's, he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Damani, that's all I got. Anything else, Zach? No, that's all I have, too, man. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this yeah, couldn't have been better. Home, Thank guys. you. Yeah, take care. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks. So we were talking off air, uh, just what a great interview it was. It was Zach and I that got the opportunity to, to, to do that interview. And my biggest takeaway, and Zach, you can chime in as, as well. My biggest takeaway was just Damani's perspective on you you do what you're doing right now and and do that the best you can. And then you take the next step and the next step. And for him, it it how it's worked out, you know, starting at the School of Mines, then um, being kind of told there was no chance, so let's walk on to South Dakota. And then just being the best practice player he could be, and now he's fourth in the conference in rebounding or something like that. Like, just what a journey and and kind of a testament to some of the other players that are maybe going through some some tougher times or not what they expected, and yet, you know, there are there are a lot of times better things ahead. Yeah, just an awesome guy, and I mean everything that you want out of a college basketball player, quite frankly. Um, every team needs a Damani Hayes, right? I mean, not only is he a, a, an important part of this team, I mean, the fact that he's a great screen setter playing with three guys that love to work off screens, that should not be lost in all this. Well, really probably four guys. But I always think about the answer, like when you're trying to establish culture, especially if you're a new coach, it certainly does not hurt to have a guy around who is given nothing and earns everything every single day, Right. That's yeah. got to rub off on everyone else. He has to be, I bet anything that he's probably the keeper of that culture in that locker room. And that's priceless. That's priceless, especially in your first year as a coach, when you're still trying to get that done, it can be the chicken of the egg situation sometimes. And so awesome kid love that he made some time for us and just really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Greg, just- he's, he's really good friends with Mitchell Suker and, and talking about how he might want to d- develop prosthetic limbs. I, yeah. The, the rest of us don't feel very educated <laughs> when we talk to, to players like Damani Hayes. Isn't that the truth? And yeah. Uh, and, but and I'll go back to, you know, it's points both you guys made and, and I'll echo what Zach talked about. There are guys that can say, Hey, I don't care. I don't care what my role is. Um, there are guys that, it's easy for that to it's easy for them to say that the special ones are the guys that go out and prove it night in night out and when you watch Damani Hayes play this kid doesn't care what his numbers are he cares if he can help make his team successful and and i'm telling you what you can count on 
Nine times out of 10, the kids that say that don't back it up. And one time out of 10, you find the special kids who just go out night in, night out and back it up. And I've always told people that, you know, you are a leader. You are truly a leader if no one can question your commitment or your effort. And if no one can ever question your commitment or your effort, you have every right to demand those same things out of every single teammate. I don't care if your teammates are more talented scoring-wise, more talented athletically, whatever it might be. But if nobody on your team can question your commitment or your effort, you earn the right to be a leader and to demand excellence out of your teammates. Damani Hayes is that type of guy. And, and Zach, to your, to your point where you said he's the keeper of that culture, he is the guy in that locker room that can challenge any and everybody else in that locker room. I don't care if it's an AJ Plitzelite or a, or a Cruz Perro Hunt or a Tassos Camateros. I don't care. He can challenge those guys because nobody can look him in the eye and say, listen, I work harder than you do, or I'm more committed than you are each and every day. And, and you love that. And, and if you're a coach, Eric Peterson, uh, having a guy like Hayes in your locker room is, 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 is irreplaceable. And, People can say, well, coach, you're, you know, you're, you're a former coach and you talk too much like a coach. No, I, this is one thing that, that expectations and, and past performance will back me up on this with, with certain people that, um, that are irreplaceable in a locker room. And I have to believe for USD, there's no question this young man is irreplaceable. And you know what? We all know they're still capable. I know they, they took one on the chin at home against South Dakota State, but everybody knows they are not going to be an easy team to play when, when, when everything's on the line uh, in Sioux Falls in, in late February and early March. Just a great example of if you humble yourself and you kill your ego and you get over yourself and you get past all that selfishness and ego and you just listen to the coaches and you buy in and you develop with a good attitude every day, like you're not going to fail. Nope. You will not fail. The kids that fail or that go sideways, whatever, usually it's because they're getting in their own way. Usually. And uh, he's the greatest example of that. So I wanted to talk a couple teams that have really gotten, have, got <clears throat> been on a hot streak. And, and North, I'll start with North Dakota State. Um, you know, not that long ago, a lot of people had um, the, the bison buried. And uh, you maybe could have said the shovel was sponsored by the Reaching the Summit podcast because we were, well, at least I was maybe some, one of those people doing that a little bit. Well, now, look, here here they are, 5-2 and two in conference, second in the conference. Grant Nelson, Andrew Morgan, maybe may the toughest duo in the league to stop right now. Well, and, and you know what? It, it's a great observation because we had concerns. We And, and all three of us, though, I'm going to go back and, I'm going to counter what you said. I don't think this podcast buried them, but I think we said they really need their freshman perimeters to grow up in a hurry. Yeah. Well, good Lord. How about Jakari White and, and Damari Wheeler-Thomas, what they've done, and, and, and now they also have, uh, oh my gosh, the, the third freshman who was out with the back spasms. He's Javis Miller, well. yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Miller is playing, you know, quality minutes. These kids are growing up in a hurry. I, I can't I can't speak highly enough of Jakari White and then also Wheeler Thomas, the way he has really stepped up, their effort on the defensive end, they're growing up. There's no question. Grant Nelson and Andrew Morgan are doing a great are doing a great job. But the development of these of this young backcourt, 
I think has has helped facilitate and allow Morgan and Nelson to really become dominant. And let's be honest, is this not the first big game of the year coming up on Thursday night when you got North Dakota State hosting Oral Roberts? I don't know if the last time North Dakota State hosted Oral Roberts, anything happened. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you what, this is a big game coming up Thursday night. I wish I could be there. They decided to uh, um, Elijah Lufile is coming back for a one game special. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's they should buy him a ticket and put him in the front row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Special guest. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, they, they've definitely, okay. So first off, I give a lot of credit to the NDSU coaching staff for just sticking with players and allowing them to play through some mistakes and they're starting to get paid off on that. You know, I mean, especially getting to a, getting a point guard, getting to my Wheeler Thomas to this point, it hasn't been a straight road but they've stuck with it and they've invested playing time and it's, it's finally getting there. Um, you know, big fellas are, you know, one of the biggest advantages any team has any over anyone else, um, in the league, I guess we'll find out, you know, Connor Vanover, how that goes over this weekend, but you know, there are teams that have good backcourts and, and, but nobody really has a dominant front court, especially like NDSU, uh, two players like NDSU. So, I mean, obviously, a lot to like there. Um, they're getting back to sort of their pace of play and um, being good, not great defensively. They're pretty good, um, but also taking care of the ball. They're finally taking care of the ball at a little better pace. And, and so, you know, they're, they're kind of getting together that formula of, you know, decent defense, taking care of the ball, playing through the pole, shooting good percentage. They're, 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 they're back to the, what they have historically kind of looked like and not all the way there yet. We're not going to get carried away here. Um, they, they could fall into the inconsistent category as some of the other young teams. But, I mean, you like that they understand that, like, okay, this is the direction we need to go in. This is when we're at our best. We just need to chase that and keep refining that and stick to it. And um, I think it took them a little bit to, to figure that out. Also, a, a big development is obviously Bowen Scunberg. I mean – Kid averaged uh, 20 points a game over the weekend. And for a lot of people in North Dakota, you know, he was known for his ability to just be this prolific score in high school. And mm-hmm. then came high school, or I mean, then came college. And that really wasn't, he, he wasn't that. That wasn't how he was getting on the court. He was getting on the court more for his like defense and, you know, stability to play. Defense. But now his scoring is to start to pick up as to, you know, what we're more used to. And so um, that's good to see, like we've always talked about, if you're a guard and you just understand how to move with the ball and move into the open spots and read double teams and all that stuff, you're going to get a lot of threes. You're going to get a lot of threes when you play with Grant Nelson and, and these guys. So, and, and Andrew Morgan. And so Jakari White, Bowen's Conberg taking advantage of that. Jamari Wheeler Thomas started getting them into the right spots. And so um, a lot to like for NDSU really. They've, they've, they have the talent, they have the talent. And so just a question as to what level does that talent get to when they're this young, but lots to like. Well, Absolutely. And- well, and, and, and Todd, I'll, I'll let you go, but I, it's going to be a statement opportunity for North Dakota State hosting Oral Roberts Thursday night. You know, is this Oral Roberts League to lose, or does NDSU have something to say about, no, we're going to bring you back to the pack a little bit? Because ORU, to this point, even though they've been in some close games, uh, whether at home or, or on the road, they found a way to win them. Um, it, this is going to be an interesting Thursday night battle, and yeah. I'm really curious to see how it all plays out. And, and Zach, to your point, I couldn't agree more. Bowden Scunberg, to his credit, 
found a unique way to get on the floor. Nobody in a manner that nobody in North Dakota expected him to get on the floor. It was his defensive effort and his toughness. And then all of a sudden he's starting to knock down threes. He's starting to gain that confidence from behind the arc. Seven of 10, I believe, or six of nine yeah, down in Omaha. Yep. Yeah, yeah, seven of 10. Th- that's impressive. But the great thing about it is he hasn't, he hasn't forfeited any of his, what he need what he knows he needs to do on the defensive end and from a leadership and from a toughness standpoint. So I'm really curious to to see how that plays out on Thursday night. And the other team you talked about, Todd, South Dakota State, starting to play pretty impressively. And and they they dominated USD at their place in a manner that we talked about. Uh, Dentlinger goes for really big numbers and and Comentero struggles, I think, six points at home. And and uh, and SDSU kind of dominated the paint against USD on the road. And we always said, hey, that's going to be the weakness for USD if they struggle. Can they find a way to remedy that? Yeah. Yeah, Matthew Moore's starting to make plays too. Yeah, definitely. It's a tough deal with Matthew Moore is getting him in the uh, starting lineup because, you know, Kyle Guy, William Kiley wasn't playing bad. Um, no. It just, I think this is just a little bit more better matchup uh, for the rest of the league. And uh, our guy, Brett Mayer, for a kicker for the Cowboys, just missed another one. So now he's over for four extra points. Anyway, um, it might be the first kicker released in the middle of a game. Yeah, I think Jerry's going to take care of him. So, um, but the, the, okay. So what I'll say about South Dakota State is what is so impressive is they can go from being the most efficient team, really, in in the conference, not only in the conference, but almost all in college basketball on the offensive end last year to this year. I think they they are the most um, technically sound, uh, game plan specific, uh, matchup specific defense in the league. Yeah. Uh, they can really clamp down on you. Um, it's not because they have great individual defenders as they are technically sound as anybody. And just, they can be just razor sharp with their defense. There are other teams in the conference that, um, have some good defenders, maybe have better defenders, but I think consistently when, when South Dakota state plays defense like this and they do what they did to, um, South Dakota, and that's not the only team that they've done that to it really sends a message that they have a nice margin of error. And I think they're finally figuring out things on the offensive end. I mean, Zeke Mayo is really kind of taking it to the next level. And I mean, once they sort of understood that he was the closer and they're really putting the ball in his hands and making sure that he's making the decisions on the stretch, I think um, they've really got their formula figured out too, much like NDSU. And so you're right. I mean, there's really no reason to panic with them. Uh, they took one on the chin at uh, Oral Roberts, just like everyone else. Um, so you take out that game, and really, you know, things look much different. And um, you know, they're going to be just as good as anybody in that next tier right below Oral Roberts. Yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of becoming them in North Dakota State now, carving out that second tier. I I'm really curious with North Dakota State if they can get both Kansas city and oral Roberts at home. That's that they've gotten the most interesting week ahead as, as far as teams in the summit league, if you ask me, mm-hmm. they do. And I think they're both going to be brawls and, and you talk yeah. about just unique styles and things like that. Uh, this it, North Dakota state, we're going to see how much they've matured, how much they've grown with this homestand, because it is going to stress every aspect of their preparation. 
uh, both yeah. Oral Roberts and Kansas City. I mean, you talked about some unique styles of play and and things along those lines. This is going to be this is going to be a, 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 a kind of a watershed moment, for lack of a better term, from North Dakota State on their home court playing two unique teams in ORU and, and, and Kansas City. It's going to be extremely interesting to watch to see how those games play out. Well, and for Oral Roberts, I mean, we saw last year and, and in previous years, North, North Dakota State has been a pretty tough matchup for them. If they if they go too far going and and do some good things, that's 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 showing what kind of team they can be, and yeah. might be some of the reason why they scheduled the way they did. They scheduled some really tough <laughs> defensive teams to to match up with early in the season. Yeah, this is a separation opportunity for ORU. It really yeah. is this road trip is an opportunity to separate themselves from the rest of the league. I think South Dakota State has a good chance to be 6-2 and two after this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but Oral Roberts, this is a chance for them to separate themselves from the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that they're coming off their best weekend of the year. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah they've looked – I mean, they really in conference have looked good good at, at all times, and they're coming going up – on the road against the hottest team in the league outside of themselves on Thursday. That that's, Mm -hmm. that's must watch summit league basketball on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it, it's, it, I love that we have the interviews because they, they uh, really give us something different and and new with the podcast, but it leaves us with a lot less time. Um, And then, so then that probably means the three of us will just talk for 20 minutes after this. Um, well, but the but the listeners are rewarded for that. This is a great yeah, opportunity for the yeah, listeners there, to be there, rewarded. Yeah, there isn't a person on the planet that has said that was just we 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 got to listen to <laughs> not enough Todd, um, and 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 instead listen to a a bright young player. Yeah, that's not it hasn't happened. So, um, yeah, no no complaints will come into the complaint department for that. Um. But yeah, good week ahead. I think the it highlighted with the with the trip um, with Kansas City and Oral Roberts going to the to the North Dakotas. Um, but everything will sort itself out. The middle is still the middle, like we thought it was going to be most of the year. It's it's just kind of jammed together outside of North Dakota right now and Oral Roberts. So um, yeah. So it we'll uh, working on interviews for next week. I'll I'll keep the listeners up to date. We're hoping to get another interview for next week, looking at maybe somebody from Kansas city or, uh, or Denver, but uh, we'll be in touch with that. Otherwise we'll uh, talk to you gentlemen next week. Sounds great.